Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we still got to talk about that John Moran aftermath and that whether he's being suspended, whether he's being temporarily held somewhere. Uh, we get into the drama from late last week between the Warriors and the Grizz. Break down whether the NBA has a referee problem. <coughs> Does. And cover a lot of news from around the league. We are cruising towards the playoffs. Do me a favor, Nick. Drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. I wish I could say things are getting better in John Morant's life, uh, but that would be a lie. Things have developed in a negative way uh, since the last update that we've had. You see, the problem that people don't realize when you put a spotlight on yourself is that when the light of day reveals your misdeeds, in this case, now you have another incident in which Jaw wanted to fight a minor. I actually thought it was just the same story because it was so similar to the last story where Jaw wanted to fight a minor. Yeah, no, nobody seems more ready to scrap with minors than John Moran. It's like, uh, he's like Oprah. He's like, you, you get these hands. You get these hands. And I don't know if they know, these people, these celebrities, that once you get into the crosshairs of TMZ, they are going to dig and find everything. They are going to find any little bit of drama that they can pull out so that they can capitalize on your troubles and struggles for money. That's it. That's the issue that we have. TMZ just reported that Jaw was investigated by police in September of 2022 for a confrontation that took place at Jaw's sister's high school volleyball game. <laughs> 
Okay. Jaws' sister apparently gets into a shouting match with another student. Does anybody else feel like the Morants kind of have like an aggressive problem? Anyway, so the sister gets into it with another student. Calls her brother for backup, kind of like his mom called him, allegedly, for backup at the mall. And then Jaw told this some unknown teenager, I will beat your ass. Under 18. Presumably, when told that, the guy was like, hey, uh, he's a kid. This kid's in high school with your little sister right now. You're going to beat his ass? The disheartening thing was a witness told police that Jaw looked like he was ready to pull a gun out on a high school kid over being called a bitch. Did I mention that Jaw makes $210 million yet in this story? And did by the time this thing happened? Yeah, that's what happens when the spotlight comes out on you. All the dumb shit that you've done now comes to the day of light. These tabloids find everything. Turns out Memphis has been trying to cajole Jaw into growing the fuck up for months now. Steven Adams, the night that Jaw went to the strip club, well, the second night that Jaw went to the strip club, we now know he actually touched down from Houston, went immediately to what was it? Shotgun Willie's. Anyway, so he goes to Shotgun Willie's when he arrives into town, literally gets off the plane, heads over to the strip club. Steven Adams, before the night of the game against the Nuggets, said, hey, we've got to stay locked in on the road. We can't be doing crazy things. And then that very same day, jaw, gun, strip club, IG Live. That little pep talk from Steven Adams, turns out, worked terribly. There is more. According to Taylor Jenkins, they have had conversations in the past trying to guide Jaw and help him continue to evolve as a person and as a player. That is a direct quote. This obviously came to the head the other day. It put this process into action. Taylor Jenkins and the Memphis Grizzlies have been figuring out a way to get Jaw onto the straight and narrow, and then, to no avail, he then goes to the strip club gun, suspension imminent, and now the thing that they were trying to do they have to do. Jenkins also reported the jaw will be out at least another four games. And although no charge came from Colorado, the league also announced any penalty that comes will be solely at the discretion of Adam Silver and would be retroactive. So in my opinion, that 50-game suspension a lot of people were thinking he might get, he will not get. And I think what we'll see is probably a 20-game ban or a 20-game suspension, backdated for how many other games that he's missed by the time the suspension comes out. So he'll probably be back, in my estimation, by right in time for the playoffs, which means what? Is Jaw completely in shape for this? Is he ready to play basketball? Will he bring a gun on the road in the playoffs? Who knows? One thing I know, it's going to take a long time for Jaw to really fix his reputation. The reputation right now is jaw, strip clubs, guns. Shockingly, Powerade does not want to be associated with those three symbols. Powerade has pulled John Morant's advertising campaign as of today, which sucks because jaw would have been a tremendous 
candidate and spokesperson for this brand. It would have elevated him on a lot of different national scales. I don't know if they're going to drop him altogether, but they have dropped all advertising from that. Especially considering the jaw, I forgot to mention, got ratted out by the strip club. I don't know if you saw the photos. There was $50,000 of money like layered onto the floor. It's like Scrooge McDuck in there. And he had a lap dance and no shirt on. And it was a lot of things happening in there. By the way, as an aside, that part, Sans gun, substituting or, or, or taking out the gun, that is what NBA players do on the road. If you think that NBA players as a whole at large don't hit the strip club and spend an ungodly amount of money on women's, you're incorrect. Anyway, very sad narrative. Gilbert Arenas thinks it's going to take years before Jaw gets his reputation back into intact, before he's a Tier 1 player again. I tend to agree. The most sad thing, though, is that Jaw was one of the few players who could be like Allen Iverson, completely himself, completely close to the music, dreads, a blue dread, a grill, hitting the gritty after wins, and... White America didn't say anything. Everyone loved Jaw. He was a, a national treasure. When have you ever seen someone like Jaw become someone that could be the face of the NBA? Not just the face of the NBA from the culture, but the face of the NBA from the actual powers that be in corporate America. Powerade, Nike. Adam Silver, they were all ready to crown Jaw when Steph Curry left. And you know what? Now, all that shit's gone. Gilbert Arenas thinks Jaw needs to cut his hair in order to get his reputation even close to where he was before. And you know what? He might be right. He might be right. Things were getting to a place where players didn't have to fit into a box to be accepted and loved by middle America. And now, we start back at square one again. So congratulations, Jaw. Fucked up. I hope he does get back to some semblance of peace and tranquility, though. I can't wait to see him back on the court. All right, moving on. We stick with the Grizz. Oh, boy. Did we have a full-on fun back and forth between the Grizz and the Warriors. And I think it's probably true. We now have a full-on rivalry on our hands between Draymond Green, Dylan Brooks, Grizzlies, Warriors. Let's break it down. So it all started with this interview that uh, Tim McEwen, I believe, from ESPN did on Dylan Brooks, the one we talked about, Dylan Brooks wants you to stay mad, Dylan the villain, gave a ton of quotes, mostly about his demeanor, play style, but he said some things about Draymond, which we discussed. He said he didn't like Draymond at all, he doesn't like Golden State, doesn't like anything to do with them. He thought Draymond was trash in a bunch of different ways. He said that he talks a lot. He gets away with a lot. Uh, his game is okay. But if you put him anywhere else, he's basically just a guy. That's Dylan Brooks, right? We know that that's what he's going to do. He's a shit-talking extraordinaire. So then I wondered to myself, is Draymond going to respond to this nonsense or is he going to leave it alone? He... Did not disappoint. Draymond talks a lot. You talk a lot now. So if you have four rings, sure, you talk a lot more. For All-Stars, you probably talk a bit more. 
Defensive player of the year? You for damn sure would talk more. Two Olympic gold medals? You definitely would be talking because that would mean you you beat Team USA. And we all know how that goes. So gets away with a lot, too. What exactly do I get away with? I have 15 texts, one less than your dumb ass. Okay, great. His game is cool. If you ever wondered why the Memphis Grizzlies is not ready to compete for a championship, look no further than this idiot right here. They're actually depending on this guy to help them win a championship. And he says his game is cool. Quite frankly, that just shows how little you know about basketball. I mean, it goes on and on. It went on and on. And so then everyone was like, oh, Dylan Brooks was packed up into a suitcase, put into the trunk of a car, in a hearse, into his grave. Dylan Brooks is dead. Dylan Brooks, oh, he died. Oh, he dead now. Uh, the problem is that the Grizzlies and the Warriors had some basketball to play on primetime Thursday night. Let's just say it did not go well for our dubs. They got destroyed. 131-110. Dylan Brooks, electric factory. Tried to goad and bait Draymond. In getting into an altercation, it did not work. 21-point win where Xavier Tillman came on the record and said, listen, we were doing this for Brooks. We did not want to let him down. Draymond, 16-5-7 with three steals. He was a negative one for the game. Brooks, 14-4-6, one block, one steal, plus 22 for said game. If you want to know, did the talking stop there? What happened next? It did not stop there. This rivalry? You want to call it that or not? I mean, if you want to call it that, but I, I, I would disagree. All right. Well, where you want to call it, I guess, like... It's a basketball game. No worries. No worries. Um, Obviously, Dylan, you have some things to say on your podcast. Dylan has some things to say to you guys on the court tonight. Just, I guess, when when two teams get that competitive like that, how much for you guys is that still... Does that still fire you guys up a little bit, or is it just kind of you're used to it at this point? No, it's but, expected. Um, team's been getting up for us for years, and talk like they can beat you and then not, that doesn't create a rivalry. Rivalries are created by you win, I win. And clearly we won four times and I think their organization has zero championships. So I can't consider that a rivalry. Say win, you ain't talking about in, in March, you're talking about. Oh, I mean, anybody can win in March. Anybody can win in March. What that mean? I have a hard time getting out of my bed in March. Oh, I have a hard time getting out of my bed in March. Ah, so Dylan Brooks, directly after the game, had this message for Draymond. That was an impressive showing tonight. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You should give the mic to Draymond. Make him talk about me. What was that? Make, make him keep talking about me so I can play better. <laughs> All right, guys. It's cute. It's fun. So is it a rivalry? What makes a rivalry? I think they're both right. They battled into the postseason. Memphis did send their ass home in the play-in tournament. Uh, Golden State obviously beat them last year. One thing that we do know is that this Grizzlies versus Warriors rivalry is going nowhere. It is, it is going to be hotly contested. I need a first-round matchup between the Grizzlies and the Warriors. I need it so damn bad. I need jaw, maybe a second round. I don't know if they're both going to get to the second round. But if Jaw's fully healthy and Steph is fully healthy, Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green, it's going to be fireworks. I cannot wait. I need it. I need it. I need it.
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. So did you guys see uh, Fred Van Fleet go after Ben Taylor, the referee, and say he was trash? If you haven't heard it, haven't seen it, definitely go find it. It's a little old for me to play here. Uh, actually, let's do it. For those who have missed it, let's start there. I mean, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was fucking terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, couple other you know out of the three there's one or two that just fucked the game up you know and it's, it's it's been like that a couple couple games in a row um Denver was tough obviously you come out tonight you're competing pretty hard the third quarter I get a bullshit tech changes the whole dynamic of the game changes the whole flow of the game and um you know most of the refs are trying hard I like a lot of the refs are trying hard they're pretty fair they communicate well and then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks and um just kind of fucks the game up nobody's coming to see that shit they come to see the players. Nobody is coming to see that shit. And let's face it, Fred Van Fleet has a reason to be mad. He's had eight technical fouls called against him across seven games. Five of those fouls were in games officiated by Ben Taylor. His double technical foul game against the Pelicans was also officiated by Ben Taylor. So two-thirds of his techs came at the hands of Ben Taylor. Nothing to see here, right? It's like totally ordinary. That's normal. Well, Luka Doncic has 15 texts this year, twice as many almost as Fred Van Fleet. But no one, no individual ref has called more than two on Luka. Doesn't it seem a little suspicious? Seems a little sus. Fred Van Fleet was fined $30,000 for those comments, which is $20,000 than most people thought. $25,000 is the automatic fine for anyone who criticizes or even intimates that there is a referee issue for the purity of the game, I am sure. But this has raised now awareness uh, on bad refereeing. In fact, I think Fred Van Fleet might have started a revolution. Aaron Ben Rose tweeted, A lot of highly paid players in the NBA are going to willingly contribute to a lot of NBA charities now that Van Fleet 
has showed them the way. The latest is Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart also believes that the refs are targeting players that they don't like. Smart was asked if there was an explanation for why he's been in so much foul trouble. He laughed and said, I don't know if you guys saw Fred Van Fleet's interview. That's all I'm going to say. That lets you know I'm not speaking out of my butt. I'm going to let Fred do all the talking. But we know Mark is smart, right? He's not going to stay silent even when he says he's going to stay silent. He continued by saying this. In my nine years, I have definitely have had that where I feel officials have a personal vendetta. And numerous, too. Sometimes they feel like they're going to get the emotions, get the best of them, and make calls and judgment calls the way that they officiate. It happens. Do refs have personal vendettas? You think? Yeah, I mean, these are human beings, and you see the same people. It's, it's like working in the same office as someone. You see them every now and again. You get the chance to give them the shiv back, and you do. The most famous case, of course, is Scott Foster who I think has, at one point, ref 14 straight playoff losses for Chris Paul. Do you guys remember that stat? He was 0-14 when Scott Foster was refereeing in the playoffs, which is statistically almost impossible considering Chris Paul has a playoff record that is 72-70. and The NBA, of course, does not think that refs have vendettas because it's the NBA and why would they say anything else? Former ref Monty McCutcheon, 25 years on the hardwood. He's now the VP of Referee Development and Training. This is what he said. We have an entire basketball strategy and analytics teams that grades referees. And when we see commentary like Van Fleet's, we go into analysis. Analysis on referee and on referee-player relationships. Something like this comes up and we flat out see whether there is bias or not. And in my five years as VP of Referee Development and Training, we have not found such bias in a single instance. I mean, does McCutcheon know that uh, Tim Donahue was in the league for 25 years without a flag, one red flag being raised? No bias at all, though, right? None, zero. And it's not like it's in their best interest to advertise bad refereeing. This is why they don't make referees available for comment after games because they probably show their ass and say something dumb about Fred Van Fleet and why he was teched up. This is why Anthony Davis said, I guarantee that if refs started getting fined for missing calls, they would be better. Julius Randle said bluntly after a loss to the Clippers that the refs sucked. All you got to do is watch the game. When a reporter followed up and said, oh, the refs have a no-blood, no-foul approach, Randall replied, oh, there was fucking blood. Woo! I think we're all kind of tired of this. We are. This is a referee problem. We know there's a referee problem. I think this year is maybe the worst it's ever been. When Scotty Barnes got that technical foul for the night before for saying something under his breath about the game being cheated, And then not only did he not have a technical foul under his belt at that point, the one tech got him ejected with one minute left to go in the game. And, of course, that was Scott Foster's ass. You have to say, maybe these players have a point. Fred Van Fleet, to me, seems like the last person to start this. He does not seem like someone who is finding reasons to dislike refs and cuss out refs in a contract year. Raptors beat reporter Michael Grange explained that it took months of anger for Fred Van Fleet to boil over. This is what Michael Grange wrote. 
Turns out Van Fleet was correct. Taylor was on the job in five of the eight games the Raptors point guard was teed up and for his only career ejection. Put another way, Taylor has drawn the Raptors six times this season and Van Fleet has gotten five technicals and has been kicked out once in those six times. In Van Fleet's other 49 games, he's gotten three technicals and no ejections, which for Van Fleet is all the proof he needs that something is going on. The floor is not level. The sense of fairness is not there. What's to come with all of this? One thing is for sure. People are going to be looking at a lot more carefully at referee matchups in the coming months. Just in time for another Scott Foster, Chris Paul playoff game. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So Greg Moore from the Phoenix, uh, Arizona Republic, says that the Suns are now worried that Kevin Durant's injury is a grade two ankle sprain. Grade two ankle sprains are six weeks for full recovery. Reports suggest that the Suns will reassess him in three weeks, which would only give them about three games to get the rust off if he plays. But I think at this point, KD's done for the season. He'll be back for the playoffs. Maybe he'll sit out the first part of the playoffs, like Luka Doncic did in the in the series against the Utah Jazz, or they thought maybe Steph Curry would last year uh, in the first round with his ankle injury. Bad stuff, though. I want to give you fair warning that you might not see KD for the rest of the season. In Dallas, it's also bad. Mavs are worried about Luka's thigh. Looks like Luka and Kyrie are both dealing with nagging issues. Uh, we should be worried mostly about Luca because he said that the thigh injury that has been bugging him for a week or so is not good. Um, there's an MRI happening. We should know more moving forward. Bad news, though, for a Mavs team that has fallen to eighth and is only one game in front of four teams right now to be in the play-in tournament or maybe out of the play-in. They are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They are in desperate need of Luka Doncic back. Over in the Bay... We move over there to our dub. Steve Kerr now gives an update on Andrew Wiggins. Kerr told the local reporter, I think there's hope that Wiggins might return this season, but it is not a foregone conclusion. Wiggins has now missed 11 straight games with a, quote, family matter. That is not good. Missing 11 games for personal reasons, not good. Apparently this is way bigger than basketball, according to Kerr. Not going to get into the rumors that I've heard about what those family matters might be, but one thing is dead certain. I do not know how this team wins without him on the court in the playoffs. Before his injury, 
on December 2nd. He was averaging 19-5-2 with a steal and half of a block per game. Defensively, he was plus 10.3 in his last 10 games. That's why they need him, right? That's why our dubs need to figure out a way for Andrew Wiggins to get back onto the court. Quick update in New Orleans on Zion Williamson. Pelicans are holding out hope that he can still play this year. Of course, very dependent on whether the Pelicans have a play-in spot or not. That is now very much in doubt. New Orleans is currently in the ninth spot with five other teams. Logjam City. Zion is reevaluated in two weeks. Hopefully he can be healthy because this Pelicans team is trash without him. Yeah, things are so messy in New Orleans. They needed 40 points from Trey Murphy last night to beat a Portland Trailblazers team that was without Dame. He's played 29 games this year, Zion has. Only 114 in four years. Sad stuff. Probably weren't going to see him the rest of the way. Probably not going to see him in the playoffs. It's probably shutdown city time. Out in Philly, Joel Embiid. Uh, one of the greatest quotes in the league, put the entire NBA on blast by saying he thinks he's unguardable. It's all about using that and trying to make my teammates better. With that comes a lot of doubles and triple teams every single game. So it's about how do I make my teammates better every game, which is one of the most savagely confident comments I've heard an NBA player say in a long time. But I don't think he's wrong. I think Embiid is truly unguardable in the post, especially in the per, on the perimeter when he's cooking as well, which begs the question to me. I was thinking about it. Who are the most unguardable players in the NBA one-on-one? I think number one is probably Giannis, just because he's so big, so strong. He can put the ball in his hands, pick it up, pick up his dribble, and be at the rim in two dribbles no matter if he's at half court. So impossible to stop someone that strong that fast. Devin Booker is is up there. I don't know if he's two, but he's up there. He's in my on my list. He has incredible footwork, great handles. He can shoot from everywhere. He's a three-level scorer, English around the rim. His package, package is ridiculous. Pause. Dame. Dame shoots from 40. Dame's got right to left, step, hop, left to right, step, hop. He can shoot from half court. You're going to basically have to drape all over him in order for him not to shoot from 40. So you give him any bit of separation, he's going to shoot. You don't give him any separation, he's going to blow by you. Pretty much the same goes for Steph Curry. All the exact reasons. Just can shoot faster, quicker release. Probably Jason Tatum as well. His footwork is insane. He can raise up and elevate above you just like KD can, which is why KD's on the list as well. And then because he's so big, so strong, and can shoot, Luka. Those are my seven outside of Embiid. But speaking of Embiid, Zach Lowe Lowe posted this on ESPN, and I thought it was worth mentioning as well. No one has had more pressure on him to win this year than Jokic, right? Everybody's talking about it. Well, if Jokic doesn't win, doesn't go to the Western Conference Finals, doesn't go to the Finals, doesn't win a title this year, it's a failure. Three straight MVPs and no postseason success whack his legacy is going to be in jeopardy but as low points out which is totally true and totally fair Jokic has actually had more playoff success than Joel Embiid actually and nobody is saying Joel Embiid needs to 
do anything more in the postseason for his legacy. Nobody is saying Joel Embiid has pressure on him this year. I get that Jokic has two MVPs and is about to get a third one. But Jokic has reached one conference finals. And Joel Embiid has never been that far. So what are we talking about? And then if you look at individual postseason numbers, they are better as well. So I looked that up. And Jokic averages 26.4, 11.5 rebounds, and 6.4 assists in 48 games. Embiid, 24 points, 11 rebounds, and 2.8 assists in four less games. So, yeah, I would say Zach Lowe is onto something here. If you're going to hate on Jokic in terms of his playoff success, you need to hold Embiid to that same standard. You need to let him know, hey, you are not winning enough. And finally, did you see this? Our Sacramento Kings are now tied for second in the West. I remember it clear as day. I was sitting right here in this chair, and I said, am I crazy? to think that this team could be an easy play-in team to be in the eight seed coming out. People were saying, I was crazy. This was a team that won 20-something games. They might win 50 games this year. We've been on them all year, as you know. But just let you know, they are not only holding off their rivals in the toughest division in basketball, they are 8-2 and two in their last 10. They are 9-2 and two in this last month against really good teams. Here is the reason why. Their top eight players by minutes have played in at least 59 of their 66 games so far this year. So no load management, no significant injuries. In fact, their top eight players have only lost a total of 24 games this year combined. LeBron, just for comparison, has missed 21 games by himself this year. Anthony Davis has also lost over 20 games this year. This team is healthy, and that is going to be so huge for them this time in the playoffs. Healthy teams win championships, folks. Just saying. That's all the time that we have for the episode of the Heat Check. Check back Friday for an all-new episode. Do not forget to watch the feed. Maybe more interviews will be coming, uh, depending on what pops so far this week. Please follow us on social media at this heat check on TikTok, at Trista Crick on TikTok, at Trista underscore Crick on Instagram, at Trista Crick on Twitter. I think that's what it is. Just search my name. And follow us because the heat check never sleeps. Not even when I've lost my voice. We'll see you next time.